Welcome to the 24th edition of Everything EOS. I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, the trusted ICO discovery platform. Visit ICOalert.com, the most complete calendar of all active and upcoming ICOs. And I'm here today remotely because he's in London with the founder and CEO of Cypherglass, Rob Finch. Thank you all so much for joining us for yet another episode of Everything EOS. We're super excited to have everybody here for yet another video episode. So if you're listening to the audio-only version, even though I am remote in London, there is still a video version. So if you want to check that out, head over to everythingeos.io. You'll get redirected to our YouTube channel. You can go ahead and take a look at that video version. Uh, Please let us know if you do like the show by liking, subscribing, or following the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you may be listening. And I just also want to mention that we also cross-post, so we do the everythingeos.io, but you could also find us on the ICO Alert channel by searching ICO Alert on YouTube or going to media.icoalert.com. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing more speculation around the upcoming events in London, which Rob is at currently, a major block producer candidate announcement, and other news around EOS.io. Now, before we get started, I do need to mention that this is not a sponsored podcast. We're just two excited members of the EOS community looking to talk about it, sort of nerd out about it and geek out about it on the podcast. Uh, This podcast, anything that's said should not be construed as legal, professional, tax, financial, or any other kind of advice. And you should always do your own research before you make any financial decisions. All right, so let's get to it. How how was your trip in London so far? You had a, a big night last night. Yeah, definitely. So last night I was at the uh, SVK Crypto Meetup. They have a, uh, a monthly meetup every month in London, I believe. Um, and I was there. I was the, the second person to speak. The first gentleman uh, ran a venture capital firm. Um, I, I'm blanking on the name, but, but had a, a very, very long, detailed speech. Um, I came up, did a, a short speech about why I think EOS is the future of blockchain, and they did a ton of, ton of Q&A with a, a really awesome audience. But huge shout out to the, to the guys at SVK Crypto. I, I met their whole team today. Um, really great group of guys and super excited to, to see what they end up investing in in the future with their $50 million um, uh, EOS ecosystem fund in partnership with Could, could you repeat that la- last sentence? It like, cut off your audio for some reason. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what SVK Crypto does. They're a great group of guys that I I met uh, earlier today and also last night, but met their entire team today at their offices uh, here in London. Um, But I'm excited to see what EOS projects they invest in. If you're not familiar with SVK Crypto, they run a $50 million uh, EOS ecosystem fund in partnership with Block One's billion-dollar DAP fund through EOSVC. So they're one of those four or five guys doing that. So how recognized were you there whenever you got to network around and meet people? It seemed like a lot of people recognized me, probably because of all the videos and, and now the, you know, the video podcast that's happening, but mostly because of the uh, Cypherglass YouTube videos. So a lot of people came up and said, you know, hey, I know you. Do you know me? And I was like, uh, no, probably. I don't know who you are. They're like, oh, you don't recognize me by my Telegram photo? And they looked totally different than in Telegram oh life. But uh, it was pretty funny. It was it was awesome to meet all these people and, and see that there are people over here in London that you know, are listening to everything EOS that are watching the Cypherglass YouTube channels and met a, a bunch of people who are voting for Cypherglass as well, which was awesome to see. That's awesome. So what are you, what are you looking forward to most with the hackathon this weekend? So I'm excited to see what they announce. Um, we know what it's not going to be now. We know it's not going to be their new DAP. So no Steam at 2.0, no social media. Brendan Bloomer, the CEO of Block One, came out with a, a pretty big clarification post on that. Yes, yeah, so let's pull that up. Let's pull that up on the screen. You want to uh, read it for the listeners of what Bloomer uh, mentioned on Telegram the other day? Yeah, so he said, hi, everyone. We look forward to seeing the finest blockchain innovators at Blockchain Live and the EOS Global Hackathon in London next week. 
We are excited that the EOSIO protocol has rapidly become the fastest, fee-less, and the most used blockchain in the world, and are committed to continually improving the resilience and effectiveness of the EOSIO codebase to facilitate mass adoptions of decentralized applications. In the Block One Village at Blockchain Live on September 26th, we will be showcasing new cutting-edge applications powered by EOSIO that include identity, music, gaming, finance, transportation, and email. We will not be unveiling Block One's next applications until after Blockchain Live, but we'll schedule a designated product launch event for this introduction in due course. It's great to see so many new applications being launched and applying to the ESVC funding program. We look forward to seeing you all in London next week. So we know with that, obviously, it's not going to be any of Block One's applications, but it is going to be some new application. So I'm curious to see what those will be. You know, what, what I'm speculating, right? I've been saying this to everyone around the office and the people I uh, keep in touch with on Telegram. But if you read that last uh, two sentences very carefully, it's great to see so many new applications being launched and applying to the EOS VC funding program. I'm predicting right now that at least one, probably more companies will uh, either be announced at Blockchain Live this weekend at the hackathon. Um, it, it's it's been a while since uh, any VC announcements have been made. Only the um, Everpedia and I, I keep forgetting the Second Life. Do you remember what that one's called? Oh, um, uh, High Fidelity, the, the High Fidelity sort of world. Yeah, so that's kind of my prediction because it, it just it doesn't make sense to me why he finished it off with that. I think the reason he put this message out was to kind of. Uh, lower the expectations and hype a little bit because if he didn't put out that Telegram message, um, as we typically see in crypto, people people think that the world is going to change after every announcement. And usually people's expectations are much higher than, than what actually happens. Uh, I mean, we're in the same boat. We are speculating on a, an identity solution, a mobile wallet, all kinds of stuff. And and the other, the other piece uh, to, to point out of the message he said was, that they're not going to be announced or making any announcements about their applications they're working on yet. So that means he said plural applications. Yeah. So he at least verified that they're, and we knew this the whole time, but he verified that they're working on multiple solutions. And I, I think in due time, uh, we're going to hear more about them, but I'm excited to see uh, what good news does come out of this because just because it's not applications doesn't mean there won't be things to get excited about. Definitely. Yeah, I'm super excited to see what it is. I mean, we know obviously that they're working on some kind of decentralized social media platform, but we don't know what the other ones are. So who knows? I guess uh, only time will tell. Uh, what, else, what else is going on here? So Mike Novogratz, your, your best <laughs> uh, favorite VC uh, fund manager, yeah. he called he called the bottom. What, what do you think about that? So he, he posted a tweet the other day. Uh, what was the date? September 13th. Yep. And he said... Uh, this is the BGCI, which BGCI is the Bloomberg Crypto Index. And he said, I, I think we put in a low yesterday, retouched the highs of late last year and the point of acceleration that led to the uh, massive rally slash bubble. Markets uh, to retrace to the breakout. We retraced the whole of the bubble. And he said, hashtag calling a bottom. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, I've seen a lot of people try to do this from, you know, three months ago to six months ago to, to even today or, or last week. So who knows, who knows if he'll actually be right, but uh, what better person to, to make a prediction than Novogratz himself? He's sort of the, the ultimate EOS bull, um, other than, than maybe me. I don't know. I might be more bullish on EOS than Novogratz is. But. <laughs> Mike Novobull, Rob the Bull. <laughs> and, and we're all bulls. But the thing with Cohen a bottom, like, 
it's the the free market is going to do what the free market wants. Nobody can predict the bottom, but if you call it the bottom enough times, you're going to be right at least once. Right. Yeah, he can. Put, so it's like those accounts that try to predict, uh, you know, who wins the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season, and they'll send out a hundred different tweets with all the different possibilities and the scores, and then they just delete all the tweets that were wrong to be like, look, I, I predicted it, I did it correctly. So I can't I'll, stand that on, on crypto Twitter. I've seen that before. Yeah. People have been calling bottom for months now. I'm sure Mike Novogratz isn't trying to do that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if he's right. We did have a, a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it a rally necessarily, but a little bit of a bump here over the last day. Or and two. of all things, Ripple led the way. Yeah, which is terrible. <laughs> Ripple cannot lead the way. It's like, yeah. you know what, that happened. Uh, but there, there's positive things coming. I, I, I don't know if we're going to see the rally everyone expects this year, but BACT's coming out in November. So I'm yeah. still super bullish on that. Um, the ETF uh, decision, it's probably going to get delayed again, but that's coming up uh, for the VanEck Solid X uh, yeah. ETF. That's coming up at the end of this month. <laughs> so if, if, if that got approved somehow, then the bull run is on. But awesome. um, I'm expecting another delay. and possibly a decision in like February. Well, if anybody's listening and you're wondering more about the ETF and want to hear it from the the actual people at VanEck themselves, um, Anthony Papliano, otherwise known as Pomp on Twitter, uh, did a really awesome podcast. It's called Off the Chain, where he actually interviews one of the guys from VanEck, talks about why they're doing an ETF, why their ETF got, a, got uh, declined two times in the past, what they changed to sort of you know appease the regulators and hope that it gets through this time. So if you guys are interested in that, take a look. It's it's uh, off the chain with Anthony Papliano. Have you listened to that call? I have not, but uh, it's definitely getting added to my playlist for this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he talks all about you know what the problems that the regulators had with the ETF the first two times and how they sort of move the goalposts. So the first time was oh, there's not enough liquidity. The second time was you know some other thing that was then resolved, and now the third time we'll we'll see what it is. But they seem to be continually moving the goalposts, which I think is interesting and seems very. Uh, very typical of, of something the SEC would do, especially when it comes to a, a crypto ETF. Mm -hmm. So uh, the EOS 1.3.0 was released. It seems like every week we're talking about a new EOS release coming out. You want to talk about this one a little bit? Yeah, so the block one actually does do weekly uh, EOS releases. Usually it's, it's smaller releases like 1.2.5, uh, 1.2.6, .2 things like that. But this was a, a sort of, I would call it a medium release. Obviously 2.0 would be a major release, but 1.3 is sort of a medium-sized release. Um, the biggest thing is that the WASAM engine, W-A-S-M, which is basically um, what processes transactions using your CPU power that your tokens have on the EOS network. That was actually replaced with a new engine called Wabbit, which I think is kind of an interesting <laughs> Silly Wabbit. Yeah, silly Wabbit. Tricks are for kids. kids. <laughs> uh, but W-A-B-T instead of W-A-S-M. Um, the main difference here is that it processes transactions twice as fast. So you know, EOS was very fast before processing transaction. Now it's twice as fast. So if you had 10 EOS staked, uh, the amount of transactions you could send with those 10 EOS a week ago, you can now, it, it's effectively you can send as if you had 20 EOS staked, even though you still have 10. So your CPU power and your tokens basically just doubled, which is pretty amazing. That, that's nice because I know um, I have a couple, obviously a couple different EOS accounts and like one of the ones with not a whole lot in it, like I think 10 EOS maybe, I actually ran out of... Uh, like I was playing too much Space Invaders on EOS Authority <laughs> and I, I couldn't make any more moves. That's terrible. Yeah. So I guess speaking of games, uh, EOS Bet and Diaz Games, uh, the the hack last week. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was I thought it was funny because EOS Bet put out a tweet uh, um, last week and it said Diaz Games, a clone and competitor of our dice game, has suffered a severe hack today that drained their bankroll. As of now, we're uh, as of now, every single dice game and clone site has been hacked. We have the biggest bankroll, the best developers, and a superior <laughs> UI. Play on ESBet. 
And then a few days later, uh, yeah, they were uh, hacked for uh, 44,000 EOS. Yeah, it doesn't hurt them at all. It, it's important to note that these guys... Yeah, we got to explain how this happened and how it wasn't an EOS issue. Oh. It, it was a smart contract issue. You want to kind of dive into that a little bit? Well, even from their perspective, I mean, they, they lost about $220,000, but these guys are, are churning out 70 grand in profit a day, which is about 25 million a year. So they had plenty of bankroll to cover this and, and make sure no uh, users were actually affected. They just sort of drained their bankroll. Um, I'm not actually sure what the specific vulnerability was that allowed them to constantly win, but it involved the jackpot. So somebody was consistently rolling under five and betting some specific amount of EOS and basically winning a thousand EOS every time they did it. So they just continued to do that until somebody found the bug and, and stopped it and paused the contract. Um, for, for, from the way I understood it was that they were able to make bets without actually betting EOS. So if they lost, they lost nothing. But if they won, they won real EOS. Oh, wait, was this the same with the uh, the Nudex issue that happened where they basically the people made uh, their own custom token on the EOS network? But they the, the, I think this one was different. This one, I, I'm not 100% sure. This one, I'm pretty sure it had something to do with an or statement in the code. And a lot of different projects, the reason they all got hacked was because they all used the same smart contract template for this specific piece of code. And it had a vulnerability in it that, that passed all of the auditing. Oh, wow. And I, I don't know the spe like this technical specifics of the issue, but that, that was what I gathered was that uh, it was all basically the same piece of code that a lot of these applications were using. And I'm not sure like the logic of what it was doing or whatever. Yeah, what happened with Nudex was people basically made a custom token. So anybody can make a token on the EOS blockchain. You can call whatever you want, but they all have unique contract addresses. But instead of the, the actual Nudex decentralized exchange contract, checking to make sure it was the specific contract address associated with the real EOS tokens. Instead, it was just sort of looking at, at the name EOS, I believe. So they printed a billion of these fake EOS tokens and just went and bought all kinds of tokens on the exchange, basically for free, because they wow. just printed the tokens to do it. So bought a bunch of IQ, Karma, I think chorus stuff like that um but nudex refunded all their users i think it was about 60 grand that they lost so not too bad there and and it was a, a bug that was fixed and now something that i'm sure every developer will check in their uh, contracts from now on to make sure that they're looking for the specific uh eos contract code uh it's funny i, I was just reading through the reddit post uh that announced the eos bet hack and they're following the the account which was a a b b c c d d e e FG, and they said right after the hack that they didn't immediately transfer the funds. They ended up playing Space Invaders with it. <laughs> not, not even kidding. They're probably doing that to to add a, a huge amount of transactions to Block Explorer, so that it's much harder to actually track the funds. If I had to guess, I would say they're just trying to fill up that page that you see on something like uh, you know EOS Flare or Blocks.io. All right, let's stop talking about the bad news. Let's get into some of the good news again. <laughs> so the Bancor X announcement, you want to talk about that? Yeah, so Bancor, for those that don't know, is uh, it's really interesting uh, platform for providing liquidity. It's, it's basically an exchange, but it uses what are called smart tokens. And it, it's live on Ethereum right now. And essentially, a, a smart token allows you to buy and sell a token without somebody actually buying or selling it from you, depending on which one you're doing. Um, so it adds a significant amount of liquidity and is uh, very helpful for things like ICO tokens that don't have a ton of liquidity and will be helpful now on EOS for things like airdrop liquidity. Um, but what's interesting about it is that they're sort of not necessarily rebranding, but you know, co-branding this thing as Bancor X on EOS. The, the EOS smart token will be called EOS X, and you'll be able to, to seamlessly trade 
um, on the exchange without actually trading with anyone else. So it's a- what, what's with all these new projects putting an X at the end of their name. We talked about Cinecore, <laughs> uh, the enterprise email platform last week, and their EOS email platform is actually called Zimbra X. I don't know. So should, the- should we be everything EOS X? <laughs> I don't think so. Don't would think that get us more views on YouTube? Everything EOS smart token basically is what that would be. <laughs> but the, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. I mean, the the only other time I've seen X used in the EOS ecosystem is with IQX. It's just what Bitfinex added to the IQ pair since their trading system only allows uh, trading pairs that are three digits long. So obviously IQ is two. They had to add another one, so it's IQX. But I don't think that's really related here. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting. Bancor has, has been fascinating to me how you're able to have basically a reserve pool of funds. So if you're trading EOS for IQ, for example, um, you know there's a reserve pool of EOS and a reserve pool of IQ associated with those smart tokens. And when you swap them, you're essentially pulling some out of the reserves and depositing some of the reserves into the one that you're uh, selling. So it's really interesting how they can do it with nobody actually selling the token to you or buying the token from you. Um, you can go in and, and make a, a trade. So it's pretty interesting. And I think we'll bring a lot of liquidity to airdrops. And the other interesting thing is it's going to allow cross-chain uh, trading, actually. You, uh, you'll be able to trade ERC-20 tokens for like an EOS airdrop token, for example. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, uh, that's what I was reading on the actual announcement post from Bancor X, which oh, wow. I have the links in the description of the video or uh, podcast if you're listening. Wow, that's pretty crazy. And if you look, uh, they put out, I'm trying to find the link now, um, but Bancor actually listed the, I think it's the first five tokens on EOS that they will support, all airdrops, which I think is pretty amazing because the, the biggest issue right now with airdrops obviously is liquidity. You know, depending on how many you have, it's either very easy to sell them on a decentralized exchange, but for some people it can be very hard. Um, so this will just help everybody you know, always have liquidity to buy or sell these airdrops whenever they want to. So I know that IQ is included, I believe, um, Dios was included, which I thought was pretty interesting. Chains was included, uh, and I think a few others were in that that list of the initial tokens that will be supported. So, kind of interesting to see. All right. So the other day, a big announcement happened. Did, did you catch the uh, news about the MultiCoin Capital and the Aurora Block Producer announcement? Yeah, I, did. I thought it was pretty cool. It's awesome to see a, a, you know another BP come out who is super professional, who is going to add a lot of value to the space, and I'm excited to see him come here and uh, compete for a spot. Yeah, I, I've been a big fan of multi. I mean, it's not multi coin capital. So let me just start this off. There's a guy. Uh, his name's Miles Snyder. Uh, he was an analyst at multi coin capital. I'm not sure how long he was there, but I think it said he was one of their first hires. And if anyone's familiar with multi coin capital, they've put out some of the absolute best research articles on EOS, and they're like very detailed analytical. Um, one of them was called EOS analysis and valuation. One was on delegated proof of stake and the features and trade-offs, uh, models for scaling trustless computation and why decentralization matters. And those are all, uh, EOS based, uh, analyst reports. And you can check those out on the multi-coin capital site. Um, so he was one of their lead analysts and he kind of spun off, uh, this block producer candidate and he's using multi-coin capital as advisors. And then he's going to be advising multi-coin capital. So it's kind of like they're separate entities, but they're, they're still kind of tied together. Uh, similar, maybe how with you are with ICO alert, you don't actually work here, or own it anymore, but you kind of do the show with me and we're, we're, we're kind of married for life, whether you're uh, working here or not, Rob. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but at Aurora EOS, I looked at their uh, block producer candidate on EOSNetworkMonitor.io a couple days ago, and they had, I think, 300,000 votes, but now they're at 2.2 million. So still at number 111, they have a long way to go to, to climb up to actually be paid, but I think they'll get there over time. 
So how do you feel about, so um, Kyle Samani, he's actually uh, the CEO of Multicoin. He's not, the, he's not part of the block producer node though. He, he put out an announcement on Forbes.com uh, announcing uh, their block producer voter uh, criteria. And he only named three block producers who are all great block produ- producers, US New York, US Canada, and to- Tokenica, as well as Aurora. So I guess four. Um, how do you feel about the snub? I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would say it's a snub. I think it is kind of crazy not to include us when we've been pushing for for everything that's in the best interest of the network. You know, we put out the hundred thousand dollar Harbor Wallet bounty. We, you know, do do things in the best interest of the network, like prevent BP collusion. We go out and make sure that you know block producers don't own other portions of block producers. We were the reason why so many block producers now are switching to dedicated hardware over cloud infrastructure. And we were some of the first to come out with that dedicated infrastructure. So I think even without his endorsement, we'll be fine. We're still in the top twenty one. Um, so there's there's no hard feelings there, but uh, maybe we will uh, garner some of his love over time. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's because they only wanted to endorse the people who they had a personal connection to. Uh, not not saying it's like collusion or anything, but he just has to get to know you a little bit better. And along with a lot of other great block producers, because I, I think Gray Mass is one of the absolute best block producers putting out some of the best uh, releases, and they're not on there. So I, I was joking whenever I called that a snub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think it's... But- uh, I, I do have a prediction here. Oh, really? Yeah. What do you think about Multicoin Capital getting announced as an ESVC partner? Oh, wow. That is interesting. Because there's still a lot of money that hasn't been allocated yet. Do you know the number off the top of your head? I think it's $275 million. Still has to go out. So $725 has been allocated, but the, the $275 has not. So that's and, several yeah, months. One of which not all of these funds got the, the monster capital that Galaxy Digital got. Yeah. SVK got, what, $50 million? SVK got $50 million. Tomorrow BC got $50 million. Uh, EOS uh, Global, which is the Asia-focused fund, got $200 million. Galaxy Digital 325, um, and then uh, who is it? The the other one in Europe. Um, I'm blanking on their name, but they got about 100 million. So, so who? I, I mean, I would endorse that 100. percent Like, who who better to to manage some of the uh, VC investments than Multicoin Capital, who's only provided value to EOS since since they they started putting out more information about them last last year and early this year. Absolutely, yeah, I could totally see them. That it makes a ton of sense, especially now running a BP. I could see them, you know launching another fund alongside their existing funds that's specifically focused on EOS because that's how you know the guys at SVK and Tomorrow BC and all these people do it. They Rather than just adding that money to their existing fund, they have a totally separate fund structure within their their entity that they then you know use to go out and invest in these EOS projects. So they, they sort of keep it separate. Yeah, and I, I, like, I like Aurora how they announced um, th- their main thing they're, they're kind of campaigning on is education, cultivating education and engaging and informing the EOS community. Yeah. And they, they've multi-coin capital and it was being done in behind the scenes by uh, Miles Snyder, who's this, now the CEO of the BP candidate. Uh, they've been educating the community for a long time. I've le- I learned a lot about EOS and delegated proof of stake myself from the multi-coin capital articles that they've put out in the past. Oh, yeah. I mean, the stuff that they do is is very fact-based. I mean, they do a ton of research to put these proposals together, and they're usually very, very detailed, and, and you can learn a lot. There are some interesting nuances in there that they you know make sure to note. So if you guys haven't read any of their stuff, go and check it out. Uh, if you just Google multi-coin capital, you'll see their website and hang it to their blog and sort of go from there. Yeah, and um, they also, uh, I'm not sure, it was, it was Aurora EOS. It's hard to distinguish between the two now because there's still multi-coin capital out there, but now I got to separate Aurora. They put out a, a blog post right after their announcement about proxies, which I thought was pretty interesting. They broke down the four different, what, what they say are the four different categories of proxies. 
Uh, they broke them down into altruistic or ideological proxies, block producer proxies, enterprise DAP and investor proxies, and exchange proxies. And they gave a, a nice little detailed paragraph that explains the differences between the four. And I thought it was interesting because it's something that like made sense after I read it, but I wouldn't have thought to talk about it or write about it myself. Right. Uh, because I, th I think as, as we get closer to referendum going live, and uh, more and more uh, things being up for vote from whether the WPS passes and then the referendum and then also keeping track of all these block producers uh, for the average token holder. They, it's really hard to put the time into research uh, who to stake your votes towards that that's going to make a difference. So I, I think proxies are, are a very important piece of the EOS ecosystem. What are, what are your thoughts and opinions on proxies? Definitely. I like proxies for the most part. I like the, the enterprise DAP and investor proxies, the altruistic and ideological ones. Um, and of course, the the exchange proxies I think are good because it allows people who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to vote the ability to vote. But the the only one I have a problem with are the block producer proxies. So these are block producers that are going out, they're setting up a proxy to basically vote for themselves. So while they are voting for other people that they sort of agree with and align with, uh, I don't think that you know I think there's a pretty big conflict of interest there because even if that block producer doesn't have the best interest of the network at heart or you know makes a mistake, maybe they're missing blocks all the time, they're not going to unvote themselves from their proxy. They're just, they're just not going to do it. So we've said from the, the very beginning, even before the mainnet launch, that Cypherglass will never run a proxy. We don't think other block producers should run proxies because it's just a, a very big con conflict of interest. So if you're out there, you're looking for a proxy to delegate your vote to, I highly recommend you pick somebody that's independent and not associated directly with a block producer. So out of, out of those four categories we mentioned, with you mentioned exchange proxies, but which one, if you had to uh, proxy your personal voting, which I'm not saying you will, yeah. but which category would you choose to to handle your votes? I would probably either go with an ideological proxy. So people like uh, the EOS Freedom Proxy, which uh, is run by Ash Oro, great guy. Um, have talked with him a, a lot. He's, he's a very cool guy, very passionate about uh, sort of the libertarian views of crypto and, and how it can really change the world. So I love that. I think it's, it's great to sort of um, vote that way. I wish you could delegate your vote to multiple proxies, by the way. It, it would be nice to be able to delegate to somebody like Ashoro at, at the US Freedom Proxy, but then also pick one that's more focused on dApps and investors and you know people who are really adding value and building apps for the network. So Tech, technically, you can do that. Uh, you would need to create separate accounts uh, and, and just vote for a different proxy with each account. Right. Oh, that's that's a good point. So it is possible. It would be it would be cool. I think though, if it was built in so that a user could just say, "Hey, I'm going to delegate to this person and this person," and it just splits it equally. Yeah. Whenever uh, the mainnet first launched and I got to vote for my first time, that was actually a surprise to me that I wasn't able to, I guess, use a different percentage of tokens for different things. Uh, for example, um, all all of I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Are you talking about how, you know, if you vote for 10 different block producers, they get, they each get all of the votes that you have? Yes, yes, exactly. You the tokens, you vote for 10 block producers. Each of those block producers gets the full 100 votes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could maybe, let's say, for example, if I vote 100%, so 100 my tokens towards Cypherglass, but then I want to split 50, 50 tokens uh, to one block producer and 50 to another. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just too confusing. This the whole voting thing is already kind of confusing yeah. to the average person who's uh, not not as into uh, blockchain and crypto as we are. So I, I think it was mostly just done for simplification. Oh, if I had to guess, yeah, I think they they need like a uh, and this this should be later down the line. There are more important problems than these, but I think like hundred percent user section where you know you can check check an option in gray mass or something like that, and then now you can proxy to multiple people. Obviously, that, that has to be implemented on the chain first, but I could definitely see that being added later down the line once the, the you know more critical things are in place. 
I'm trying to think of what else has been going on. Dan, Dan has been oh going nuts on UBI, man. It, it's obvious uh, where his passions lie outside of blockchain. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he's trying to change the world, man. Uh, so September 16th, he put out a Medium blog post about universal resource inheritance, which we've talked about on multiple episodes on here, or we used to call it the universal basic income, but UBI's or URI is a little bit different. And then three days later, he put out another blog post defending uh, against some of the comments he got on the first blog post. Yeah. So the last time we talked about the uh, URI or UBI or U, whatever we want to call it this week, the universal uh, resource inheritance is yeah. what's currently going by. You're somewhat against it. Uh, has your opinion changed at all now that Dan's put out uh, more explanation on how it would occur? I think on a scale of, of how against it I am, I've probably gone from like 100% against it to maybe 80 or 90% against it. So I'm definitely still against it, um, but I'm open to, to sort of hearing more about what he has to say, uh, you know, seeing more of his defense of these arguments and these comments that are putting out that the main problem I have with it is I'm just not a fan of giving people free money for doing nothing just for existing, you know, Hey, you're alive, have, have some money, have these, this universal resource inheritance without adding any value back into the network. I think maybe if there were some kind of, you know, requirements to get it, you have to add value. You have to work on something. I don't know, but I have just sort of a, a problem with giving people money for free. Um, so, so I, I think one of the misunderstandings, and I, I like how they got away from the term universal basic income, yeah. because there, this isn't going to be like a, a welfare system. It's not going to be able to, at, at this point in the network, even if it was implemented and like, I, I'll stick by what I said uh, a few weeks ago is I don't see this happening really soon necessarily. Um, but, but if this were ever to be implemented, um, it, it, whatever your inheritance would be, would be very, very small until like years from now when the market cap is in the, the trillions or if your bet's correct by the end of this year, but uh, I, yeah. I'm not going to bet on that. <laughs> but he, he made some really good points in the blog though. I mean, it's, it's interesting what he's, he's talking about here. It's, he's basically talking about redistributing wealth over a hundred year period. So every hundred years, the wealth basically turns over, which I just, I, I don't know, maybe I have too many negative connotations about redistribution of wealth, but it sounds very socialist. They could border on like a if it goes too far, it could be communistic, depending on you know how high the inflation rate is. But basically, if it's four percent inflation every year and they're redistributing that to everybody, the people at the bottom of the ladder are benefiting the most, and the people at the top are actually losing money because their value is being deflated more than obviously they're getting in the, the URI. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with it. To your point, I mean, this is probably something that will never, or will not be implemented in in the foreseeable future in the next few years. Um, and if it ever is, I'm sure it'll have a lot more time to to be worked on and polished. So. Did Did you get a chance to uh, catch his monopoly analogy? So he used an analogy, and I think it was in his second blog post, his follow up, where he said, um, "With the simple, if you're playing monopoly, you you just implement this one simple rule, where after every everybody's turn, you distribute one percent of the wealth evenly to each each player. And what happens is it it still lets players uh, kind of take the lead. You could still accumulate a lot of wealth in the game but you have a much harder time bankrupting your opponents and it's a it's a great concept and i actually pete k and i actually tried doing this in the office and we we could not finish the game we played for about six hours <laughs> <laughs> and uh we, we had some other people playing too so it wasn't just one-on-one -on -one, and we weren't playing consistently through it's kind of like throughout the day but we we, we couldn't end the game it, it, it was impossible to bankrupt someone by, by playing by those rules I don't know. But, but we had players that were in the lead the entire time. I mean, you get boardwalk and park place, you're set, oh, but you're just absolutely. not able to crush everybody. I just think the fact that you're, 
I mean, it, it just kind of surprises me. This is coming from Dan, somebody who, you know, agrees that taxation is theft. He thinks, you know, he shouldn't be doing that, but at the same time is then willing to basically steal money from people and redistribute it to other people. So it just surprises me that it's coming from him, to be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't see it as stealing. Maybe it's, maybe it's the difference between the rich and the poor, Rob. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it benefits little plebs like myself. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's why I support it. Um, but the interesting thing is I'm in the um, URI Telegram channel, which I, I recommend anyone that finds this topic interesting. I'll post a link to the URI channel. There's only about 600 people in it. It's, a, it's not even necessarily an EOS channel, but it's URI. And it's, it seems like that's where Dan has been the most active. So the uh, one Twitter handle that we've covered a couple of times here on the podcast that have some really interesting tweet storms, so you know, 10, 15 tweets that are all together sort of about the same topic, different thoughts on a topic, is Maple Leaf Capital on Twitter, at Maple Leaf Cap. Um, great person, persons behind the account. We're not really sure if they're a real investment fund or just somebody this is a hobby. I, I, I follow, I mean, they don't have a lot of followers, but I recommend everyone listening to follow them because oh, they put a lot of thought into these posts. Like the same way I, I liked reading the MultiCoin Capital blog post because they're obviously very well researched and very thoughtful opinions. Uh, same thing with Maple Leaf Cap, whoever they are. Yeah, absolutely. But they put out a uh, interesting tweet storm um, starting with, I can't quite envision. Oh, no, this is actually the last part of that tweet storm. I recognize it. Um, but they put out a, bit, a big tweet storm about. URI, Universal Resource Inheritance, and uh, how it would be implemented. They're sort of trying to start a debate, which I thought was interesting. Uh, maybe it's Dan himself behind the Twitter handle putting out these, these topics. You, that, that, wait, before we get into the tweet, yeah. do you think Dan has other aliases he trolls the community with a little bit? Uh, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I think he has better stuff to do, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he when he wants to disseminate an opinion, although I don't know, I think he's best equipped to, to do any of that because people listen generally to what he says, or at least are willing to, you know, read his post similar with URI, even though people might not agree with it, they're willing to read it and sort of hear him out and engage in debate. So I don't know that it would really benefit him to be honest, to go rogue and be anonymous. So Maple Leaf made an interesting uh, mention of Steam 2.0. You want to re read the tweet for people listening at home? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. So part of this thread is assuming that it is the full 4% token inflation, which is uh, basically allocated to the worker proposal system right now. Nobody's really sure what to do with that inflation. We're looking at reducing it to 1% so that it's not 4% of what maybe several hundred billion dollar market cap in the future. Um, but he, he gives a pretty interesting example. So a simple scenario, let's say EOS is 100 tokens that split equally between two accounts. Uh, be very simple. You basically slice the pie and 50 tokens per user becomes 52. So each of them get an extra two tokens, 4% inflation. So they're both equal. But if you had 100 tokens also split between user two users, but one is 99 tokens and the other is one, by the end of year one, the uh, account with less EOS ends up with much more. The account with more EOS ends up with proportionally less based on a percentage. And then by year 100, they're actually very equal, where the person who started out with 99 tokens now has 51. The person who started out with one token now has 49, which I think is kind of interesting. So, so, so that, that kind of uh, fits my point I made earlier. So in 100 years, we'd be equals, Rob. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I'm a fan. Uh, I, I like it. I like it a lot. I want to be equals with with, with all. The, I want to be equals with Novogratz. How do I do that? Yeah, get him to uh, to subscribe to the system and put all of his money into it. And wait a hundred years. <laughs> but uh, the the piece of that tweet that I found the most interesting was, was how they mentioned Steam 2.0 and how how kind kind of they would fit together. Um, so they said, "quote I can't quite envision how Dan would implement this yet, but I suspect it would be a page rank type social proof model." 
that also rewards policing users that report false unique accounts. This will be how Steam 2.0 and the EOS URI system get bonded together. Uh, so what that means is we, we've kind of te- like for any of this uh, URI stuff to work, you have to have a unique identity. There's no other way around it. Um, if you could create uh, multiple accounts for one user, uh, then it, w- it wouldn't work. Um, and, and you could have multiple accounts, but only the ones like, like I have multiple EOS accounts. But if this system were put in place, only one of my accounts could have my like verified identity on it. And that would be the only one that would re- receive a URI. Right. Um, it's, but go ahead. Uh, one of the biggest problems with the internet today, and it could be YouTube, Twitter, everybody's anonymous. So I can create a troll account to troll you on Twitter, and it's it's like a throwaway account. And there's nothing stopping me from doing that. So I don't have to. I, I worry about my public reputation. So I'm I'm not gonna come blast someone on my on my actual Twitter. But if I really wanted to, I could create a Twitter and go troll whoever I want. Uh, if I wanted to, I think I don't uh, think that's a problem. I think that's a feature, to be honest with you. That you can go and you know make an account, troll somebody. You can take on a new persona if you want, and, and tweet crazy things. Like Maple Leaf Cap, for example, wouldn't exist and wouldn't may not be tweeting these things if he had to have his real his or her real identity associated with it. I, I think there's different use cases, honestly. Um, it, it depends on the level of trust required uh, for whatever system we're talking about. That would uh, where a unique account would make it a, a better feature than than the anonymous feature. Um, but the reason I brought this piece of the tweet up was just the Steam 2.0, how he hypothesized how it could interact uh, and work with the EOS URI. And Anna from EOS Tribe on Telegram, actually in the, in the uh, URI channel, actually asked, would URI be used for Steam 2.0? And Dan straight up answered it directly and said yes. Maybe this is, so I was talking with the, the SVK crypto guys this morning, actually, well, Thursday morning, if you're listening to this on Friday. Um, and we were talking about, you know, Facebook, how are they going to disrupt Facebook if that's what Block One's trying to do? They've come out many times saying that almost verbatim in blog posts, but how can they actually convince people to move? Maybe their plan is to just pay people where, hey, if you want to, you know, get this URI, if you want to get this free money, you have to sign up for our account. Not only do you have to sign up for an EOS account and, you know, link your unique identity to it, but you also have to sign up for their first DAP. And maybe that's how they'll bring people over. I didn't research this myself. I, I read it on Telegram or Reddit or something. So I don't know if it's true, but uh, someone said that that's how PayPal uh, onboarded their original users, where if you signed up for a PayPal account, like, in the early 2000s, late 90s, I don't know when it was, but there was a, a $10 credit available on your account. I think it even still exists today if you refer somebody. So if you're already in PayPal, you have a PayPal account and you refer somebody to PayPal, I think you both get 10 bucks. So it's very similar to, to virtually any other service like you know Uber, you refer somebody, you both get a $20 riding credit. The big difference with PayPal was that it was real money that you could actually go and spend somewhere versus locking people into your service like on Uber or, or something else that rewards you for referring somebody. So I think we've seen... You know, the referral program with EOS Bet is one of the big, big reasons, I think, why they've gotten so much popularity. Because not only is it a way for somebody who's referring someone else to make a bunch of money, but it, it also gives the person who uses that referral link some real value. And in this case, with EOS Bet, they get half a percent less house edge, so they're, they're slightly more likely to win. Um, so I could definitely see some kind of referral program being linked into this. Maybe to get you or I, you have to refer somebody else or refer more people. Who knows? But it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all this. And if, if there were a URI and if, if it was not exactly 4%, like if, if the PayPal incentive is like five to 10 bucks, if we, or if we're talking about the current market cap, market cap of EOS 
and distributing it with whatever percent they decide on it, it probably wouldn't be that much money per account. I don't know the exact math, but you wouldn't be getting rich off of this oh, by any means. And I mean, even if, even if EOS is at a, a trillion dollar market cap, I don't think anybody would necessarily be rich. It may be to the point where you know you're getting a couple thousand dollars a year off of it, um, but you're you're certainly not going to uh, you know become a millionaire just sitting back collecting your URI. So. It'll be interesting. But if you tell somebody, hey, sign up for this new Facebook, you're going to get four grand a year just for, for sitting there. You're going to have a billion people knocking at your doorstep ready to do it. Yeah, I, I don't expect it to be four grand at all. No, but eventually, maybe it, maybe it will be. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but the other thing to consider is like we were talking, it, it felt like money was being taken away from from you if, if a URI was enacted. But that that's assuming that uh, the four percent inflation is actual inflation, or if the deflationary mechanisms built into EOS offset that four percent. Right. I mean, right now the RAM trading fees are something like I think it's technically. I mean, it's a one percent RAM trading fee, but it's doing because there's more RAM actually being traded than than you know rewards being paid to block producers. I think it's like one point two percent. So EOS is negative. 0.2% inflation. Don't quote me on that. That might be a little off, but there are actually less than a billion EOS tokens that exist now. If you don't count the worker proposal fund and things like that, that can't be accessed yet and likely will never be accessed, it'll just be burned and then we'll start over fresh with 1%. Um, it's actually less than a billion. So it is deflationary currently. 4% though would be much, much harder to offset than, than 1%. But th that's... Um not taking into account the RECs or the resource exchange, that's probably going to be one of the most uh, useful tools on EOS is to uh, be able to lease or rent out your computation. Oh, wow. That's an interesting point. Imagine if- let's That's going to be burned. such a used tool. Like RAM oh, trading right now is mostly just speculators because there's not a whole lot of dApps out that are actually in need of it. Uh, but as, as the ecosystem grows, uh, we're going to have more and more dApps that have to basically- they might have so many tokens staked, but then anytime they're coming close to their computation limit and, and on their smart contract, it's going to have to automatically tap into the RECs and, and yeah. lease extra CPU. Well, and there's going to be a 1% fee at least associated with that, I would assume. I would assume there there has to be a fee there with with sort of leasing and unleasing, so to speak, your actual Rex tokens. But imagine that part of an interesting thought. Imagine if the total inflation rate is something like five percent. Honestly, I think it will be much much less, like total two percent, including the one percent for block producers. But even if it is five percent, let's imagine you can make a modest five percent, um, you know, return on staking your EOS and leasing it out to DApp developers in the long term. You can make five percent a year, and inflation is five percent. You can virtually offset inflation personally for yourself if you choose to lease out your token power, which is a really interesting concept. So those that are sort of leasing back into the network, continuing to stake their tokens, maybe continuing to vote for block producers are the ones that won't really be affected by inflation. And I, I guess my other argument for, I don't know if I'm for the URI, but I guess it's, it's an argument for it, is that I, I think that the inflation, whatever it's set at, whether it's 4%, 5%, I, I think it's going to actually like i think you just said it would be would be a, like a one or two percent inflation yeah. but the, the the thing to consider is that a uri would make the pie so much bigger each year in the token value that even if you have a smaller percent if you converted it to usd you might actually have more so would you rather have five percent of a hundred dollar pie or two percent of a thousand dollar pie I mean, two percent of a thousand, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's essentially what would happen over a long period of time if the, uh, a URI was in place and it would grow to like a global scale and actually uh, hit critical mass. Yeah, Warren would be happy to hear you say that. Compound interest—that's the uh, the magic bean. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I know you got a lot to do tonight. You're pro. Uh, it's like late there. It's probably your bedtime. That's yeah, um, uh, nine o'clock here in London. We're five hours ahead. So the, that's been the biggest thing, honestly, adjusting to London, that the people have been great. SVK crypto, that the whole community has been great and so welcoming and, and meeting everybody here that part of the EOS community, the crypto community in general has just been ecstatic, but everything else has been pretty rough that the jet lag, uh, my girlfriend came with me. She's been sick the whole time. I've been, you know, sick as well. I had headaches and things like that. Uh, so it's been kind of a rough trip otherwise, but I've been happy that, uh, SVK crypto has, you know, made it very welcoming. All right. So a lot of people that uh, made the trip out to London with you, um, probably you're going to be watching this uh, tomorrow whenever I publish it on Friday night. Which people are you looking forward to meeting and who do you want to come up to you and say hello? Uh, really anybody in the community. So if you're out there, you know, reach out to me on Twitter at Finchify, say, hey, where are you? And uh, come find me. Who are you looking most forward to meeting in person that you've never met before? I would love to meet Dan, whether it's now or uh, in November. would love to meet Dan. Uh, that, that that brings up another point. Uh, I will, and also, Rob, you'll be in San Francisco also for the November Global Hackathon, uh, November 10th and 11th, just to confirm with everyone. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And um, also, if, if you're uh, a fan of some of the other podcasts we do here at ICO Alert, uh, Bitkenstein, uh, Peter K., uh, he bought his uh, hackathon ticket with me. So he'll be uh, my, my roommate in San Francisco. So I'm looking forward awesome. to meeting more people from the community out there in November. Perfect. Um, so what else do you want to cover before we uh, sign off here? Um, I think that's pretty much it. The, the only other thing I would say is that uh, if you're curious what's happening, there's obviously a lot of events happening. We have the Hackathon this weekend. We have Blockchain Live next week. If you want to know what's happening, you want to know our thoughts on it, follow us both on Twitter. I am at Finchify, F-I-N-C-H-I-F-Y. And I am at Blockchain Zach with a K. That's also my handle on Telegram if you ever want to reach out directly or Twitter is good too. Awesome. And uh, I think that's it. It's uh, another episode of Everything EOS. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it for this week. Uh, once again, I'm Zach Gall. Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS.